Good morning, Henry Harris, Jewish, uh, excuse me, the Spiritual Foundations of Mental Health. Today's topic, why wanting can feel scary. Okay, let's begin with our overview. What do we mean when we speak of the spiritual foundations of mental health? Your well-being, your mental health is unconditional. It's unconditional of the present moment circumstances, of the concerns about the future, of the past events, about the feelings, the habits, whatever's going on in your life that indicates or perhaps suggests that you lack some basic well-being or well uh, health is... Uh, it's, a, it's based on a misunderstanding. Now, how does that work? We have a whole flow of feelings that are flowing through us at all times. We are experiencing fear and excitement and um, anxiety and uh, satisfaction. There's a whole host of feelings that are flowing through us. Moods. We're having moods. We're not static individuals whose state of mind is constant. It's just not like, it's just not like that. Whether we've been in high highs or extended good moods, they're not static. And whether we've been in ruts, they're not static. What is that? How does that work? Well, if we're not aware of a, uh, if we're not kind of aware of of what's going on behind it, it can look like all set of all kinds of circumstances are at the root of those feelings and those shifts in moods and experiences. That's how it can look. If I'm feeling a, a whole surge of fear then I kind of unconsciously look around and ask myself, well, what's that coming from? Oh, it's because I don't have clarity about this decision. Oh, it's because this person's not in agreement with me. Oh, it's because I'm not sure how to accomplish X, Y, Z tasks, whatever it is. It can look like that's the actual source of the anxious, fearful, whatever feeling that we're having. And simultaneously, it could look like, oh, I feel so calm and peaceful. Oh, why is that? Oh, it's because... Um, it's because I'm not going into work today. Oh, it's because my uh, family is home. Oh, it's because my family is not home. Whatever it is, it can look like they've, the feelings are being created by the world out there, by the past, by the present circumstances, by the anticipation of what's going on in the future. But the truth is, is that there is an unfolding system of weather inside of us. Uh, we have like an internal emotional weather system that in the same way we don't shape and create the weather that's going on out there in the world. It's not ours to create and shape. It's, it's, we experience the weather. We, um, we, we feel it, but, but we're not authoring it. In that same way, we have weather that's going on inside of us. Now, the difference is, is that, ironically, we have a wonderful and fascinating part to play in that we have a, uh, we have a choice. We have, we have free will. And by our turning to that weather as, oh, this weather, I don't want this weather, or I do want this weather, and i got to figure out how to hold on to this weather, it, it ironically, it holds it in place. It amplifies it. It kind of energizes it. It's a fascinating thing. But that's what's going on. Weather on its own moves. Weather on its own is not static. It's stick. It, it there could be a long storm, but it doesn't stay that way, three hundred and sixty-five days a year, or even twenty-four hours over the course of a single day. It just doesn't. Our emotional state is the same. Now the problem is, is that when we are, um, you know, I, I'll speak for myself that when I become frightened or anxious or fearful. It, it feels unpleasant, and I kind of instinctively want to free myself from that painful feeling. And in that very moment that I make that in conclusion, oh, 
this is painful. Oh, it's coming from X. Then immediately I start to analyze and and kind of marinate, stew in the thing. How do I ease myself from it? How do I fix it? How do I get away from it? How do I respond to it? But all from a kind of how do I, I know it's the cause and how do I help myself by changing it? And, and really what's available to us is to appreciate that there's a beautiful and simple truth that, and let me be very clear, I don't, I don't know how to integrate this truth as a kind of a, with a technique of sorts. I'm just simply describing a psychological truth. I'm describing a spiritual truth that ha- and how it shows up in our psychological experience. And we are well-suited to attune to that truth. We are very well-suited to be able to sense that, oh, weather is happening, but I don't need to manage the weather, and I can't manage the weather, and it's not a problem that I can't manage the weather. I can be in the weather, and I might get wet. I might get cold. I might get... It's unpleasant weather. Whatever it is, it's not dangerous. It's healthy. It's safe. It's part of a healthy system. Every single human being in the world in optimal health is flowing with, in the same way that his heart is pumping uh, blood filled with oxygen and and, and nutrients, he's also pumping his blood flow with toxins and, and, and waste products. And that's not a problem. He's healthy. To the degree that he's actually doing that, he's healthy. He's a healthy person. In the same way you and I, we flow with insecure and, and frightened, frightened feelings and moods. And we with energy, we flow with, with great, grateful, trusting, and peaceful energy. And these are extraordinarily beautiful, simple truths that you don't have to be good at in order to do this. You just kind of get to be with this truth and allow it to 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 allow it to pass through you in the same way that a woman who's experiencing birth is allowing a birth experience to pass through her it's it hurts but it's safe it's healthy and it's a good thing it's a really lovely thing and 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 she has a role to play but it's it's not like how do i manage the contractions how do i time them to last shorter longer get rid of them that's not her role if she were to take that role on she would become a sad lady, you know, she'd be, she'd, she would, if she were to really take on to um, try to manage the duration of the contractions or manage the intensity of the contractions, she'd feel very discouraged because she wouldn't be successful. And there she'd be suffering from the pain with the anticipation or expectation that she could manage the pain or the, the levels or duration and being unsuccessful. And that just ratchets up everything. Oh no, I can't get out of it. I get it. And then we, we kind of, we don't know how to be in our lives. We don't know how to be in the distressing feelings, the fearful feelings in our lives. And when that happens, we kind of run away. You know, we, we, we tune out, we escape and it leads to, it leads to just un, unhappy circumstances. It leads to unhappy choices. It affects our capacity to be with people we love. It affects our ability to pursue uh, our own potential with dignified and meaningful choices. It's it's a um, when we find ourselves living in kind of a space of distress and we don't realize that it's not telling anything about us in our lives. It's just telling us about our mood. When we don't see that, we can we can really react. We can react significantly. When we do have an understanding that I'm having a very dark feeling right now, but it's not really telling me about my life or my mental well-being. 
It's not. It's telling me about my moment, this moment. It's telling me about my now. And I'm not the author of my now. I have a beautiful role to play. I have the ability to affirm this kind of simple, beautiful truth. But I don't, there's, much of my life is going to include the opportunity and the challenge of being in this moment, knowing I'm not in control, I'm not authoring this moment, and that it's safe. So that's our, 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 our basic intro. And today's topic was, why is it that, that wanting things can feel scary? There are places in our lives where we would like to, we'd like to like, we'd like, we'd want to want, but we've uh, perhaps experienced discouragement. My, my sense as to why that's so is that we get discouraged because we measure our ability to change by our track record. I've tried to diet. I've tried to stop. Uh, I've tried to exercise. I've tried to stop reacting in XYZ way. Whatever the things I've tried to do to the degree that I'm unsuccessful, uh, it can feel very discouraging. I wanted it. I was unsuccessful. Um, other people are successful. I wasn't successful. What does that tell me about myself? Must be I'm a failure. Now, there's an alternative, which is that I'm working with a misunderstanding. I'm working with a misunderstanding about how change works. And as a result, I'm kind of going about things in a way that is somewhat vulnerable to failure. Um you know, if I if I believe that I'm truly the author of my new thoughts and feelings, then I'm going to run into some I'm going to run into some walls, right? If I it, it's very difficult to to kind of change an ingrained habit with just willpower. I don't know how to do so. I, I don't know how to change the 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 feelings that that arouse in me an urge or a, a desire or a need or a reaction. Those feelings come so fast that I don't even notice them sometimes, and I don't know how to change the feelings that are at the root of my unhelpful habits. And then I I lay out a nice plan. I put it on paper. I kind of say do this, that, and the other. And it's not like I, I don't. Uh, change does happen in all kinds of ways, but it's certainly the case that it change also doesn't always happen, certainly not right away, and certainly not with this misunderstanding. What's the misunderstanding? The misunderstanding is that the, is that that the, 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 that that true change is really in our hands to create. When you consider that true change comes from a it comes from a new vision, it comes from a new perception of things. It comes from a new experience that is happening kind of from the inside out, that's where real change manifests. And I don't know how to author that change. So I'll share with you um, where I was fascinated by this idea recently. I've shared it before, but I came upon it again, and I was re-fascinated by it. The degree to which who we really are is what we want. And the problem is, is that we can sometimes give up wanting something because it's like, well, what's the point? I wanted it and it wasn't successful. But to really appreciate that the essence of who we are is what we want, our desire, our our will. And I I, I like to share the story of, or the basic example of an ex, of a passage in the Talmud that uh, describes what what happens when a when a man, let's say, there's a really really bad guy. He's a wicked guy. And he goes up to a lady, he gives her a ring, and he says, Behold, I would like to marry you with this ring. And, um, and she accepts. 
so in normal circumstances, that's a marriage. She agrees and they partner to create what is a new and holy thing. Let's say he places a condition on it. He says, I'm marrying you on the condition that I am righteous. And he's a bad guy. He's been his entire life doing terrible, disgusting, destructive things. And then the moment after she accepts the ring from him, he runs off to do more wicked, terrible, destructive things. So he gave her the ring with that condition and said, I'm only intending to marry you with the condition that I am righteous. And there was only that moment before between his life prior and his life after where he's a wicked guy. She accepted it. And then a moment after she accepts it, she says to herself, what was I thinking? I can't believe I did that. I accepted the ring from him, but I don't want to marry him. I want to marry somebody else. Does she need a divorce document in order to marry someone else? And the Talmud says, yes, she does. Now, the question is why, how, how in the world could that work? that the man married her with the condition that he's righteous, but he did nothing whatsoever to indicate everything about his life before and after indicated that he wasn't righteous, and yet he made everything conditional on that, and yet the Talmud says he needs, she needs to get a, a document, a, a divorce document to marry someone else. Not, and the Talmud explains it's from a place of doubt. It could be what, what could have happened. The Talmud says that it could be that in that moment, with all the prior past choices he made and with all the future ones he's about to make, in that moment that he gave her the ring, when he said to her those words, it could be that he had an internal uh, a rumbling of, of desire for tshuva, a desire to take responsibility for his life, a desire to be a righteous guy, to be a tzaddik. If he did have that rumbling of desire, that one moment's desire, oh my gosh, I could be, I want it, I want it. If he had that one moment, then in heaven... His identity is a righteous guy. He is viewed in that moment as a righteous guy and in, in sync with his stipulation, I'm marrying you on the condition that I'm righteous. Bang! It would have been a valid marriage. And we don't know for sure, but it's possible that he had such a thought. It's impossible to get inside his head. If she wants to marry someone else, she must get a divorce document. Now, that's an astonishing, crazy idea to me. Wow! In Jewish law... In the world of spiritual truth, this man is defined by a single moment. In that moment, in that moment that he would have had that thought, he is defined by that moment's thought. His desire to be righteous would define him as righteous. That's unbelievable. Now, obviously, he's responsible for his actions in the past and the destruction they caused. Obviously, he's responsible for choices going forward. But that moment, that moment of desire was, wow, it was powerful. It, it was it was significant. He contributed to an authorship over his identity in that moment of desire. And what I see and what I experience happens with myself and with others that I talk to is that we downplay the value of that of that of that power of desire. We think to ourselves, so what I wanted, what have I accomplished? What have I done? It's nothing. I've tried and I failed. I'm I'm obviously un uncapable. I'm incapable. I'm a failure. What's the point? It can be frightening to want something that you've tried for and and failed at. It can truly be frightening because it's kind of putting to it's putting on the table something precious, something very dear, something very essential to ourselves, like an inner yearning. It can be quite frightening to 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 revisit a yearning after having failed to realize that yearning. And 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 I believe that if we appreciate, if we if we consider that yes, it's 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 real. Like like make good. It, it, 
look around your life and see where and how you could support yourself. But appreciate that there is a magical partnership that happens when a person expresses desire, an inner desire, an outer desire, whatever it is, if the person expresses desire, he steps into a new identity, even if for a moment. And he can then step into that new identity again and again and again. And if he's sincere about, look, let me take away whatever possible uh, pitfalls that might uh, make it harder for me. Let me um, seek support and assistance. But first and foremost, let me recognize that my I possess inside of me a pristine and perfect and untouched capacity to desire, to define myself through that act of wanting, through that yearning. And it says in the Talmud that in the way that a person wants to go, he is led. There is there is a spiritual momentum that is generated in the world at large that is assisting him. But we get discouraged. We might want something and then we get a setback and then we say to ourselves, what was the point? But we don't but 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 when we understand, no, no, get up and want again. The the definition of success in Judaism is the tzaddik, and the tzaddik is the one who who sheva yipol tzaddik vikam. He falls down seven times and he gets up. He he reengages his desire. His his getting up is a reengaging of desire. I fell. I lost track of my of my. Uh, I lost I lost track of my my yearning. I lost track of my uh, my state of mind of inspiration or resolve. I lost it. I fell. But I also acknowledge and own that I'm a wanter. My essential self is as that I'm a wanter, and that's my part. I'm not literally the one capable, I'm not responsible to create lasting change on my own. Willpower does not create lasting change. I'm in the wanting department. And when I want, I invoke, I create the opening for a partnership with, uh, with the source of all wanting, with the wanting behind all creation. There is a will and a wanting behind all creation that is yearning to partner with my wanting. And I, if I know this, then I can fall down and get up and fall down and get up and fall down and get up. And as many times as I fall, I get up. I'm called successful. I, I, I might lose hope. I might get discouraged. But I recognize that it has nothing to do with being a successful person. I don't know when, where, and how the gates are going to open and I'm going to experience a real shift in consciousness, which I, I believe everyone has. Everyone has had a shift in consciousness where something that looked difficult is all of a sudden at a certain point becomes less difficult without having to willpower their way through. Everyone has experienced that. I don't know when and how that door is going to open, but I know that it is essential to understand at the root of despair and discouragement is a misunderstanding. It's not a lack of ability to be successful. It's a misunderstanding about what is success. Success is wanting. Success is, is wanting, which includes certainly taking away obvious obstacles and pitfalls. Certainly, it, it success includes uh, uh, finding resources to assist one in all the ways that your gut tells you to get help and get assistance. But the root of it all, the real success is that I'm a wanter, I'm no, I know that I'm a wanter, I, my identity is shifting as I experience and choose to desire the thing I desire. I want to I wanna be healthy, I want to be, um, be generous-hearted, I want to forgive, 
whatever it is that I want, I can express an actual yearning desire for that, knowing that that is, I'm defining myself, I'm experiencing a new act of self-definition. And that act of self-definition is partnering with the source of all wanting. And as many times as I lose sight of that desire, I can reclaim it and recognize, oh, I have an opportunity to be successful again. And in this manner, we accept responsibility. We accept responsibility for our real part, not a part that's not our part. We accept a responsibility for what is truly our role. And when you're doing all you can, you're by definition being successful.